This is going to be a little bit of an unusual beginning of a sermon because I have a story. Just saying. I have a story. It's a story uh, that comes from a little book called The Flowers of St. Francis. The Little Flowers of St. Francis has been adapted by Robert Bella Velham, uh, and, uh, um, and I, uh, I'm, I've adapted a little bit myself. So. Uh, so the story goes like this. In the 13th century, so that would have been in the 1200s, okay? In the 13th century Italy, there was a small community, a small village. Uh, and it was a village that's nestled in the foothills of, um, of the mountains. It was a city that was very beautiful. And it's a place that you and I would like to, to go to and to visit. And, and the people were very, very proud of their city because of the beauty. Uh, they had piazzas. You know what a piazza is? Piazza, like a, it's a piazza, it's a fancy word for basically a, uh, if you've seen photos of cities in Europe where they have the big, like, what do you, how do you, what's the word for it? The big plaza. We, we might say plaza, right? And there's a fountain and so forth. So like, they had piazzas, they had, uh, they had the beautiful fountains, they had restaurants. This is a beautiful, beautiful community. Uh, great food. Churches. Churches, because in 13th century Italy, church was, was the center of the community. Its churches had wonderful spires, civic buildings, beautiful sculptures. Uh, this little community was a wonderful place. And whenever someone traveled from this little village to Florence or Vienna or even Rome, uh, th- their clothes would stand out, their dress would stand out. People would look at them and go, wow, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? Because these people had a lot of pride in who they were and so forth. God had blessed them. Uh, and, and, they would, and they would respond when, when the questions came about, where are you from? Response like, we? Well, we are from Gubbio. We are from Gubbio. And they'd say this in a very proud and a, almost defiant kind of, uh, kind of way. Uh, that was their manner. Now, now it came to pass that, that one day something happened that was very odd, very strange, because Near Gubbio was a very dark wooded area, and out of the woods, out of those deep dark woods of Gubbio, there came a dark shadow. Uh, the shadow moved through the streets of Gubbio and and through the alleys. It prowled down uh, all over the all over the city until the people of Gubbio. Uh, one day, the next the one morning, they found a mangled gnawed body. The bones were broken. The clothing were, were in sh- was in shreds. And that was all that was left. Someone had been eaten by this terrible shadow. Uh, well, the next morning, as you can tell, I mean, the people were so upset. One man uh, spoke up in anger. How could this happen in Gubbio? And a reply came, said, said, it must have been a stranger, someone passing through who did this horrible thing. Everyone nodded their heads. Everyone agreed it had to be a stranger. Nevertheless, that night, the people of Gubbio, they locked their doors because they weren't really sure if it was someone just passing through, a stranger. So they locked their doors, and the, but there was one woman who stayed outside. And in the morning, they found her body, mangled, gnawed, bones broken, her clothing in shreds. Well, the people gathered around her remains and they were so upset, so anguished, they, they kept going back and forth. How could this happen? How could this happen? And, 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 and a person, of course, you know, spoke up and said, it must have been a stranger. 
But then an old woman, she spoke up and said, no, I saw it. It wasn't a stranger at all. Late last night when I went to sleep, before I went to sleep, I went to the window and I pushed back the curtain and you know what I saw? I saw a wolf. I saw a wolf loping down the street with blood dripping from its mouth. A wolf, a large, lean, gray wolf. And all day long, that was the talk. I mean, just imagine what it would be like here in Kalama if we had a roaming animal that no one could stop that would come out at night and eat people. No one could stop talking about it. Well, two men heard about it, of course, you know, and they thought, hey, oh, come on. This is our opportunity. Uh, we can kill this wolf and make a name for ourselves. And, and, and that's the way it is with people, right? People desire to make a name for themselves. They, they want people to be proud of them. They want their names uh, uh, to be praised. And it's just something in human beings that we want that big name. And Those who kill that wolf will make a name for themselves, they said. You're right, my friend, said the other man. And, of course, they had swords. So that night, they prowled the streets of Pagubio looking for the wolf, but the wolf found them. The wolf found them, and their bodies were found on the street, mangled, gnawed, bones broken, their clothing in shreds. Now the people of Gubbio were absolutely terrified. I mean, if these two young, strong men with swords got eaten by a wolf, then what is to become of us? Uh, people, people said, how, is this, how did this happen? What, what are we going to do? Uh, and some said, well, this is what we must do, friends. We, 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 we've, got to, uh, we've got to get rid of this wolf somehow. And so, the, and so there was a man who said, well, I know what we'll do. We'll bring in the army. We'll bring in the soldiers. We'll bring the soldiers into Gubbio. But then a merchant said, we can't do that because it'll ruin our reputation. Everyone's going to know that we have a wolf in our community. Our prestige, our commerce, our tourism will, will, will fail. And so everyone recognized, well, that's probably true. We can't do that. We can't ruin our reputation. We have a good name in Italy. And so the pride, proud nature of these people, the desire to have a a great name um, prevented them from doing so. But as the people considered, what in the world are they going to do? They, 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 uh, well, there was a little girl. A little girl spoke up, of all people, and she said that she heard of a holy man, a holy man in a neighboring community by, uh, the, let's see, the, he t- went by Francis. By Francis. Uh, he had a reputation for talking to animals. And, and he should come and talk to the wolf. And the people laughed, of course. Like, come on, are you kidding me, talking to a wolf? But then there was an old man in the crowd that said, you know, I've heard the same thing. And people listened to him. I've heard the same thing. I've heard of this man who, who speaks to animals. And, and besides, what else are we going to do? What are we going to do? So a delegation was formed. and They had all kinds of ideas for the delegation. What are you going to, you know, because the question is, what, what are you, you going to tell Francis to tell to the wolf, right? And so there was this idea like, uh, that came up and said, I know what you should tell, what, what we need to tell Francis. Tell him that, that to keep the commandments, especially the one that says, thou shall not kill, right? Thou shall not kill. And another person said, no, no, don't be so negative. You're not going to get any, anywhere that way trying to tell him not to, not to kill. Tell him to keep the greatest commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself. 
Tell him to keep that. Keep it positive, and maybe the wolf will listen. And then other people said, he's not going to listen. Tell him to go somewhere else. Go go to our neighboring community, that Perugia place over there. Let him kill those people. We, We don't want them in our community. And the delegation listened, but, you know, they weren't sure what they're going to do, but eventually they, uh, they went off. They went on their way. They went off to find this person named Francis, who later became, by the way, Saint Francis. When they arrived at the city where Saint Francis was known to live, they ran into a little boy, and they asked him if they had seen this holy man named Francis, who had the reputation, the great name, of talking to animals. and He wasn't in the city at the time, but the little boy took, took, took the delegation outside the city to show them where St. Francis was. And sure enough, they found Francis. And he, was, he, he wasn't what you would expect because he was in this brown robe and he was so short in the midst of other, other monks. They were working on a church. And he was the one who was smiling and laughing all the time. The one in the middle, the one that's laughing, that's him, said the boy. That couldn't be St. Francis. That couldn't be the famous Francis who talks to animals. He's too young. He's too short to be a holy man. Because people from Gubbio, by the way, of course, we would never do this, but people from Gubbio, they always judge by appearances. Not that we would. Well, the delegation had gone this far, so they're going to go ahead and, you know, they went ahead and approached him. And I mean, what what were they going to do? And they pleaded with him to come to Gubbio and talk to the wolf. And Francis listened. And tell him this. Tell him, tell him to keep the commandment, thou shalt not kill. Or, or, or maybe keep the, commandments, the, commandment, the, the great commandment that Jesus t- taught, taught his disciples to the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbors yourself. Teach him that one. Or, or, or maybe just send him over to Perugia. You know, send him over there. But do something. Tell him something. And Francis listened, of course. And, he told them to go home. And the delegation went home. Of course, they didn't go by the woods, but they went home. So that night, as the sun went down, Francis came to the deep, dark woods. And once the sun was fully down and it was completely night, Francis began to enter into those woods. You could hear the branches creak and crack. and It was so dark that Francis just closed his eyes. And he knew that if he just reached out to the wolf, that the wolf would come to see him. And so he reached out and said, Brother wolf, in the morning when the people awoke, and went into the piazza. They found St. Francis. His clothes were not ripped. His body was not gnawed. He was standing at the fountain. They quickly gathered around him and said, did you tell, tell the wolf to keep the commandments, especially the one that says thou shalt not kill, or did you tell the wolf to, to, to keep the, the, the commandments that, the, that Jesus taught his disciples Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Did you send him to Perugia? Did you do those things? And Francis just stood at the fountain, and he didn't say a word. He just was quiet. 
my good people of Gubbio? The answer is very simple. You must feed your wolf. With that, he left the fountain and left the piazza and left Gubbio. What does that man mean, feed the wolf? What do you mean that's our wolf? He's not our wolf, and, and, and we're not going to feed our wolf. Well, what does he mean by that? You see, people don't like to humble themselves. They don't like to receive words like that. What if word got out? I mean, after all, what if people found out that the people of Gubbio were feeding a wolf every night? That would be so weird. It would be so strange. We wouldn't even have people come and see us anymore. We, we, we would lose our reputation. Do you know what happens when people seek help from the humble? Do you know what happens? Especially a humble man like St. Francis. A humble man like Jesus Christ. You see, humility just may be required in our lives. When night came, the people of Gubbio went inside their homes and locked their doors. And out of the night came the shadow, the wolf. It prowled down this street and prowled down that street and went up that alley and down that alley. It went into the square. It turned around a narrow street and then suddenly something happened. The door opened and a light came out of someone's home. And a hand took a platter of food and put it out into the darkness in the street. And you could see the eyes, the red eyes burning in the wolf. And he took the food. And no one was eaten. No one was hurt. The next night, the wolf prowled down the street and up the alley and down another alley and up another street and went into the piazza and down another street and all of a sudden a door opened, the light shined from that house and whoosh, the plate of food went out. And the wolf looked at it, took the food. You see, what happened in Gubbio was that God got a hold of them. They listened to a holy man who was a humble man. And humility spread from one person to another is they responded to the message of humility. Now people, they travel through Italy, and they were wearing the, these clothes, the clothes of Gubbio, and whenever someone said, hey, where are you from? Where are you from? They would reply, we are from Gubbio. Gubbio? Gubbio? We hear you have a wolf. Yes, we have a wolf in Gubbio. And we feed our wolf. So the story, of course, is about humility and what humble people can do to change the lives of others. Friends, I don't think there's anything more important in bringing the gospel than being humble when we do it. If you want to turn people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ, Tell them about it with pride. Tell them about it in a way that would show that you're right and they're wrong. 
and you will not have a disciple on your hands. We're in Ecclesiastes 7 today. Verse 1. And it says this. A good name. You don't even have to go there in your Bible. It's just one verse. But if you have your Bibles, I would like you to have them because I'm going to take you somewhere else. The verse says this. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of of birth. Isn't that a strange proverb? A, let me repeat it for you. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. Um, you know, I wonder if you can have a good name without humility. I don't think you can. I think we've seen that in our country, I think we've seen that in our nation. That time and time again, people are raised up in politics and in, in other, other forms, other aspects of our lives, and they may get on the top, but it doesn't mean that they have humility and their, and their influence in society for good is very, very little. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Can you have a good name without humility? I don't think so. James chapter 4, it's near the back of your Bibles. It's right after the book of Hebrews. I want you to see today that you have the power to bring the good news of the gospel to people, but the one requirement is humility. What causes quarrels? Verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is not this, uh, is, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is, to, it is of no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the Spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? See, God overcomes all these things. He gives more grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Doesn't he? Yes, he does. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. You let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, therefore, under or before the Lord, and he will exalt you. See, James wants the people to have lives that have meaning and purpose and have an impact for good things. And the key... Here is humility, humility, humility. Going back to uh, 7.1, Solomon says, a good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of birth. Now, that's a very interesting proverb, and you would think that it doesn't make sense. How can the day of death be better than the day of birth? And yet, this is Solomon's claim. Well, let me think about this for a second. Let's see. A good name 
precious ointment, or we could say a good name versus perfume, right? Isn't that what we're talking about? Perfume. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you've smelled me before. Okay, you know, if, if he's going around, and start sniffing me. You know, you you probably you'll probably be very impressed because when I sweat, it it's it's just it's like perfume, right? It smells good. No, I'm just. But we know what perfume does, right? It it changes the way we smell. It covers some of our smells, perhaps covers it. But if I put perfume on, which I typically is a man, I'm going to put cologne on, right? Cologne, not perfume. Is there a difference? Yeah, I think the perfume. Yes, you would know. There's a difference. Oh, I'm a I'm a grown man. I I should know that I'm a grown man. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, anyway, I just. I always think of like the Aqua Velva commercials and all those kinds of things. I mean, I, that's what I think of, you know, just the real manly stuff. Anyway, uh, if I, <laughs> it's like going, no, don't use that. Don't use that stuff. Okay, well, I don't even know if it's on the market anymore. Anyway, <laughs> Old Spice, there you go. All right. So uh, what happens when I use Old Spice? Like they make Old Spice deodorant, Right. And that works. In fact, I use that. There you go. See, Randy, you and I have so much in common. And, but what happens when, of course, I go to the gym and I pump iron, you know, which Dave and I are, we're going we're gonna to do it, aren't we, Dave? Yes, we're going to do it. So I go to the gym and I pump iron. And by the time I'm done, that old spice is spilling, starting to kind of mix with something else. And it's, it's kind of being kind of rank, right? Point is pretty obvious. Perfume, colognes, precious ointment, I already want to say it. These things don't last very long, right? They're very temporary. Um, a good name. I'm telling you, invest in a good name. Make that important. By the way, the Jews never saw a good name in terms of, um, it, it, can't, it can't, I'll put it this way. It's always associated with reputation and character. It goes deep. A good name goes deep because it lasts, right? The one thing that, that precious ointment, perfume, what have you, doesn't do, it doesn't last. It's very short-lived. But, but a good name goes on and on and on and on. And so the day of death is better than the day of birth. Why? I mean, we love babies. I mean, how can we possibly think that the day of death is better than the day of birth? There's just no way. And yet in this sense it is, because the day of birth, it happens and it's gone. You say, well, death happens and it's gone. But no, actually the idea here is that someone who lives a godly life, you see, the day of death, that reputation, that name, that character, that witness, you see, to the goodness of God goes on and on and on and on. That's true for our brother Kenny. His reputation, his name, will continue on. It's, you know, we have, a, uh, we, we have a pulpit here, and we put in remembrance, in remembrance of, of Evelyn Galloway because she loved the Word of God. And so she, her witness, her testimony goes on and on and on, see? The one thing that we want is to have a witness that lasts. Now, here's what's really important, okay? It's not that we have a reputation for, for, uh, in, in the presence of others, but the main thing is to have a reputation with God. 
That's what we want. That's what we're looking for. Human beings, like in the story of Gubbio, human beings tend to, they judge with their eyes. They judge by what they see. But God sees the heart. He looks at the person. And we are people that need to have a reputation with God. Do you remember, remember the story of Job? You know what happens early in that story? God says, have you seen my servant Job? Right? You remember that? Have you seen him? He's a godly man. God is looking for people who are like him, who have a good name. And by the way, did you know that God has a name? Now, there's a name in the sense I could go, I could, I could spend a lot of time on going to the fact that in the Old Testament, whenever we see the word the Lord, the two words the Lord, it's referring to the name of God, Yahweh, in the it's known as the Tetragomenon in the in the Old Testament. But that's not even really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about his reputation. God has a name. It's the most important name in all of reality. Okay? God's name. And do you know that we're saved by God's name? By the name of the Lord? Of course, the emphasis that's emphasis made in the New Testament. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 for a moment. Acts chapter 2. I've been going through this with the, with the high school students. And I think we just finished with this a couple of weeks ago. Acts chapter 2. Look at this. It's so important that the reputation is, and the name is, character is, right? And we see who God is in the person of Jesus. Turn with me to Acts 2. I hope you have your Bibles. Don't trust me that I'm going to put that words on the screen every Sunday. Because I never promised I would. I just seem to be teaching you that I would because I usually do it on the Sundays. However, every now and then there's a sermon without it. So bring your Bibles and mark your Bibles, please. Peter's making this great speech describing the day of Pentecost, telling us that the day of Pentecost is, um, well, he's answering the question, what does this mean? If we were to go through a uh, thorough study here, we'd see that the question is being raised, what does this mean? What does this mean that, that, that there's this loud noise that sounds like the wind and there's these tongues of fire uh, that are descended on all these people. There's 120 people who are speaking in tongues, different languages, different foreign languages, what's going on there. And the people, uh, people some are mocking, and others are saying, well, you know, and we've got to know what this means. What does this mean that this event has happened? What's the big deal? What's the point? And Peter stands up and tells them what it means, beginning with verse 17, okay? He quotes the prophet Joel. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, for, verse 17. And in the last days... It shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male and female, male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. Boy, I could talk a lot about this stuff. I'm going to keep going. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. That's the judgment day, by the way. The great and magnificent day. And here's the point that I'm getting to. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord and the name of the Lord in this context is Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. 
that we call upon to save us. What if Jesus had a bad reputation? What if he really wasn't that good a guy? What if he had a private life that was filled with sin? Then you think you could call upon him and then he would save you? No way. But because God and the person of Jesus Christ, who is God, is all that is good, he can save you and he wants to save you. So the name of the Lord is absolutely crucial in our faith. You see, a good name is better than precious ointment. Jesus didn't wear perfume. I don't think. He was, he did, there was a woman who put a bunch of precious nard on him. But it was his reputation, his name, his power, his ability to save and his desire to save. God has a name. I love the way this put in Nehemiah because I think it's really crucial for us as Christians to understand the words of the Old Testament, to understand how God acts in history. And in Nehemiah, in chapter 5, we read this. I'm sorry, chapter 9, beginning with verse 5. I'm going to start in the middle of verse 5, where it says, let me just give you a little background here. I've got plenty of time. A little background here. The, pe- the people of Israel, they've come back into the land. They've been, they've been exiled. They come back into the land. And, the, and they have listened to the, the law of Moses from morning until late afternoon. And then they went into this, this feast time for, several, for many days. They're in this feast time. And they were discovering. They were discovering who God is again. They're rediscovering this relationship that they w- were called to have with him. Okay? And when you get into uh, chapter, chapter 9, verse five, I will start at verse 5 from the beginning of it. It says, Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, Pethahiah, said, Stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. And this is what he says. This is just so great. Okay? He says, Blessed be your glorious name. Which is, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Do, do, do you want to stand up as a congregation sometime and just bless the name of the Lord because of who He is? I hope you do. We do that when we start our worship service, right? When we have uh, music up here, it's all about blessing the name of God. Chrissy today had a bunch of music that was about the name of God. Did you notice that? Because it's, it's in the blessing of the name of the Lord as opposed to other names and other things. It's blessing the name of the Lord that we're changed. God's name is, that his name is to be lifted up. He is to be praised. You know why he is to be praised? Because he's humble. He's humble. God is a humble God. And the other thing I want you to see here is that his name is, is tied to the, his acts in history. That's why when it goes on in Nehemiah, it says, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of the earth, the Chaldeans, and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give to his offspring, the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, 
and the Gergeshite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of, your, of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they had acted arrogantly against their fathers. And check this out. This, what does he say right here? He says, and you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And then he goes on and on and on talking about Jewish history, about what God has done. Listen, the reason why we know God is good and God is humble and God is loving and God is kind and God loves us and that he can be trusted is because of what he's already done. What he's done in history, that's why we know this God. And of course, as Christians, we see that what God has done in Jesus Christ, that God has revealed himself of being a humble, loving God in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why the cross changes us. What if Jesus didn't go to the cross? What if Jesus instead got up on a big throne of gold? He walks into Jerusalem on, 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 the, on the, uh, early that week. He walks in, and all the people are praising him, and they're throwing down their, their, their blankets and whatever, and he's riding in on not a... Not, not, not a donkey. He's riding in on a big white stallion. And he comes into Jerusalem and he sits on a big, huge gold throne. And maybe his disciples have been working on it. And they're carrying it in because they want, to, they want to know that he's the great God. And he sits on the throne and says, now all people praise me. What if that was our God? What if that was Jesus Christ? But it's not Jesus Christ. Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey because he wants people to know that he is the humble king. And at the end of the week, they're going to put nails in his hands and they're going to crucify him. And he's going to have blood dripping from his, from, from his forehead because they put a crown of thorns on him. And of course, they're going to put up, up above the cross that he's king of the Jews in three languages so that everyone in the world knows who this guy is. And now let me tell you who he is. He is the king who is humble. And because he's on the cross He's going to draw all people, as John says, all people to himself because he's the king who can be worshipped. He's the humble king. You think you can share the gospel in your pride? Put it away. God requires humility in our sharing of the gospel because God is humble. And cruciform love. That's who he is. And that's what he requires of you and of me. The good news is that he wants to use you. He wants to use you to change this community. To change your families. To change this town. And to change this nation. And the one thing it requires is a humble spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord, for some reason, when we humble ourselves, you listen to us. Just like the wolf listened to St. Francis in that story. It doesn't matter whether that story is factual or not. The point is clear that you listen to a humble spirit, you, you require a humble spirit and you use a humble spirit to bring peace into the world.
May we all be that way. May you fill us with your spirit that we would be like Jesus Christ. That we would love the Father, love the Son, love the Spirit. That we would love God and we would faithfully bring God into this world. Because for some crazy reason, you decided to use us for good and for the kingdom. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.